You have to pitch your business to an accelerator here in London and they will have to decide if they want to back you and tell the government, yeah, they're legit. You're feeling at zero, but you have to pitch where you're going to be at 100. And so I had to set out a vision for my companies really quickly because I couldn't think small. You're not allowed to. You need to be able to tell them this is going to scale to millions. Hello and welcome to episode 70 of Webflail. I'm your host, Jack, your failure connoisseur. And today my guest is Janae Kotzer. She is someone I'm seeing more and more on social media, sharing behind the scenes of client work and sharing thoughts about being founder. She's a South African living and working in England, and she's tearing it up. She is building her freelancer business out, her studio consortium, which she's the founder of. She's a UX UI designer by training and a full stack designer by trade. But as you're about to hear, she's had an interesting journey to that career. She's helped hundreds of businesses across the UK, US, UAE and more to develop their existing customer experience and more importantly, generate new ones. But as we know, as with anyone that has got to this level of success that Janae has, there have been some failures along the way. We'll be talking about struggling to focus on the core business and staying consistent, building and getting involved in online community and expanding her studio. So embrace and learn from failure in episode 70 of Webflow with Janae Kotzer. So Janae, welcome to the Webflow podcast. Wow, that was impressive. Thank you. <laughs> that was quite welcome. Again, I said this last time we tried. I'll say it again. You, you dive into people. You really dive into people. <laughs> So this is a this is a funny thing. We actually recorded this episode last week, but there was hammering happening. So if anyone's like, wait, you've already had this conversation, that is what Janae is referring to. And I do think like it's wild how much stuff is online about people after they've been in the digital space for a few years. This is definitely the easiest podcast topic to research people because web designers, by virtue of doing what they do, are leaving digital traces for people like me to find and stalk them. So that is fun. Speaking of stalking, last time we spoke a little bit about your incredible career or your kind of non-linear path to web flowing. Let's talk about that because I love this story and I think it's really fascinating to dig into to start with. <laughs> okay, so my background was... From like after school, after I graduated school, I did not want to do uni. I was like, this is pointless. In South Africa anyway, because university is like 20 years outdated. And there's like five main things that you go study to be successful. There's like lawyer, doctor, architect. Like you have your main paths in life. And if you don't, you don't do those, you're kind of screwed. So the closest I could get to one of those branches was marketing. And I was like, this is like probably I'm going to learn about like the ancient arts of sending someone an email, which has come back now, I guess. So I guess it's not as bad now. But back then I was like, this is just going to be so outdated. So the closest thing I could find to still making money, still, you know, keeping life interesting was modeling. So I got into fashion modeling at 18. I actually got scouted at 16, but then I moved to Cape Town at 18 and then lived there for a year did modeling full time and then that's kind of how I came to London because I got signed with an agent here and yeah kind of discovered web design and UX UI from there 
But I think fashion and modeling prepared me for my own business now. So that's something that we can get into because you're technically your own business, like how you take care of yourself and how you present yourself. And I've got rejected by clients way before I ever got into web design. So I think that likely did prep me for business now. But yeah, so I was a schmodel for about six years, five years, six years. So yeah. Okay, so you were a schmodel for five or six years. So wait, let's just yeah. let's just backtrack. For any web flowers, I'm sure most web flowers do know this, but how do you get scouted for modeling? First question. And then second question, how this experience prepared you for being a webflow freelancer in the on the basis that you needed to like treat yourself a business almost. So obviously Jack, you're trying to get into modeling. Is that what you're saying? You just want some tips. Well, I know how I know how to get scouted, but <laughs> for the rest of the people, for the rest well, of the losers out there, how I got scouted is actually on Facebook. I knew it. someone I knew knew this photographer, and this photographer had an agency in London, not in London, in Cape Town, and we basically started messaging over Facebook because back then that's how people communicated, I guess. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, cool, let's do a test shoot. So I flew down to Cape Town with my mom because I was 16. <laughs> Did a shoot there. Well, well, got signed with them. But then I couldn't actually do anything for two years because I lived in Pretoria after high school. I was like, all right, cool, let me let me go and live in Cape Town. I'll actually try and do this properly. And then that's kind of how I got into modeling full time. I think my first photo shoot ever was Cosmopolitan, which was quite cool. I was like, oh, look at me. It's so fancy. And then I did like nothing else cool. The thing with modeling is you don't actually do a lot. A lot of what you do is e-commerce, like ASOS shopping vibes. That is a lot of your job is e-commerce where you just put on clothes, take off clothes, put on clothes, take off put on. That's your day. It's like a workout. I think the most I've ever done is 80 outfits a day. So people don't know this about the fashion industry. So I thought I don't like you. But yeah, so scouting wise you can go on any modeling website they have a page that says do you want to be scouted add your pictures here or just go walk around in london and hope you find a scout that but i mean you can just go to an agency and go hey do you think i have something and they will tell you straight away <laughs> will very much tell you straight away except the ones who want money from you so you get like dodgy agencies where they're like oh for 250 quid they'll do a photo shoot for you put you on our website and then you just never hear from them again so I go to those, but the rest is fine. <laughs> the legit ones are fine. Okay, I've learned how to be a model, and anyone that's listening who's in the Webflow space who wants to be a model is now completely covered. Let's talk a little bit about how you became a Webflower and, and what those lessons from, you know, your previous career experience brought to to that to well your new life now. Yeah, so modeling is a weird one. So number one. You have to, you have no control. Okay. So you have no control over like what jobs you get and you get, you get no control about your, like over your clients or when you have work. So number one, budgeting. I've learned since the young age of like 19, you don't know when your next paycheck will come. So you budget the crap out of what you have. That was like the, I think the biggest lesson that I could take into freelancing and eventually into my studio. You don't know what's next. The next one is the only kind of promotion that you have control over is what's on social media, you sharing your work. So the people who got all the work is the people who got 
like all of the followers who was posting all of the pictures like they were the ones who had the following and then the agency could push that so in today's day and age with my studio the more work I share the more people see me and the more that kind of comes in so that and cutting yourself some slack I think I'm very I don't necessarily regret things quickly and I don't necessarily I'm not too hard on myself just because I know I've pivoted so much and I'm very kind of flexible because you had to be like I couldn't actually get a full-time job while modeling let's say because I never knew where my next photo shoot would be so I had to keep myself busy I had to figure out okay how can I do something on the side where I'm not having to be in a location and so that's how I kind of got into UX UI that's how I discovered that and eventually yeah I had a lot of free time when I moved here to London because in between photo shoots in between castings you sit around it's very much a hurry up and wait kind of thing and so I had a lot of time to explore and that's how I kind of got into the world of tech and my laptop being my best friend. Oh my god there's so many lessons here okay so we've got various different things you said there control budgeting rejection cutting yourself some slack so essentially the people that got work were not necessarily the ones that were the best models they were the ones that were seen liked trusted the most by virtue of having a good reputation online, it sounds like. And I think that's very similar to in the Webflow space. I think there's a lot of people that are like, you know, I want to get, I want to be the best Webflow. I want to be the best at my craft. Now, while getting good at your craft is really important, what I've noticed is that the people that are most successful are not necessarily the best at Webflow specifically. They might actually be people that are really, really good at being liked known trusted in a way that's maybe not really thought about or talked about enough in the webflow space so i think that's a really important thing budgeting really key if you don't have cash flow as a freelancer you are screwed and i learned that the hard way i think a lot of freelancers get into it because they're like oh i like the creative work and then you're like oh how do i do how do i run a business and i think budgeting is one of those most important things that you can actually Learn about from an early age. That sounds really healthy. Rejection. You are going to get rejected so many times as a freelancer, just like maybe you did as a model when you're you know, approaching people. The more you put yourself out there and approach, the more that becomes like a kind of muscle that you, you know, strengthen over time. Cutting yourself some slack. Oh my God, the amount of conversations we've had about this on the podcast about people being really hard on themselves, not letting themselves, you know, the, I think there's this kind of like, approach of like perfectionism whereas sometimes you just need to get the job done because they don't always go right is that fair have i heard you right interpreted what you've said correctly is your design any good is that the right color is that copy any good for conversions if only there was a tool to help you answer these questions. One tool. Built to test Webflow sites for all. Enter OptiBase, the A-B testing tool for Webflowers. Test anything you can think of. Colors, layouts, buttons, layouts, buttons. No credit card needed. Sign up today by clicking the link in the show notes. Out now. For web flowers everywhere. Back to the episode.
hundred percent. I think, especially freelancing, and because it's so competitive, everyone else is brilliant, and you're like, I'm never gonna get there. And it's it's definitely hard because so many things are changing so quickly in in tech, and there's so many like this new dom thing that just released. I still have to go figure that out. I've not even had to like oh, now. I have to all right, learning a new thing. Let's go. Like it's every week where you're always catching up, and so. The reality is everyone feels that way. Some people are just on it <laughs> when it comes to like creating content about it and you're like, oh, they must have it figured out. The reality is they don't know either. I went to like a, a branding talk last week and um, there's like a few like brand experts there or a name drop now. But basically I remember they were talking to each other now to like experts in the field and the one literally said to the other, yeah, we really have to go to this AI talk. I have no idea what's happening in AI. Like, it, it seems like I do, but I really have no idea. We really should go to like this talk. And I and I, I literally sat there and thought, funny, <laughs> because Yuri, what what you portray yourself on, you know, online, a lot of these people are figuring it out as you are. The difference is they're putting their findings out there where you're not necessarily, as you're figuring it out, you're not going to share it. So that doesn't necessarily mean you know, some people have it more figured out than others. I think everyone's figuring it out. And yeah, so we have to cut ourselves some slack when it comes to being on top of all of it. So yeah, I, I quite like quite like that saying, not to be too hard on yourself. Yeah, it's easy to yeah get into this spiral of like self-doubt when you see everyone posting their amazing work online and posting about things that they seem to know about. But actually, when you dig a little deeper, they really don't. I think for me personally, like I've actually written this article on Webflow about the DOM. What I like to do is to be like, okay, I'm going to try and share what I've learned about this thing in an article so that it forces me to like dig deeper and actually know stuff about this. Speak to me about how you got into UI UX then. So you were sitting around at these clothing fits and photo shoots and stuff and you were just like, okay, well, I'm obviously going to bring my laptop because what else am I going to do? And then you were like, oh, I'm going to do some courses online or what happened? No, so I actually, I could barely use a laptop when I got here. So I moved to London seven years ago, could barely use a laptop, to be honest. Like all I had was some Microsoft classes in school and, you know, I could technically figure out what a spreadsheet looked like and Microsoft Word was my friend, didn't even know Google Docs existed. I was like, it was just not a part of my life. So when I got here, I... I volunteered at, an, at a charity and so this charity had a big event that was coming up and they wanted to design t-shirts for it and so here I am with a piece of paper drawing out a design for their t-shirts because I did not have a clue what this would look like on a computer where does not do this so that was when I kind of had the realization I can do a lot with this thing let me try and figure this out I never quite got into photoshop that was a bit too odd out there for me but I got into Figma slowly but surely I don't know that was kind of my tool of choice but then I had this MacBook that I borrowed from them and all of a sudden I was like this could be interesting because now maybe I could because I'm creative I'm strategic maybe I could find something and Google and find something that matches this and the best I could find was UX UI design and I could find an apprenticeship that was actually in America it's called Block.io, but I think they got bought over by someone thinkful or something. But basically, they had a UX UI apprenticeship. And I was like, I'm going to try and go for that. But that this was like 
a year of uni in South Africa. I think it was two years of uni in South Africa's cost. So this was like me going, I'm going to go to uni, but it's literally like a year apprenticeship where you learn UX/UI. And so I was like, all right, let me do this. But I couldn't technically afford it. So I was winging a scholarship program and I pitched them for one. I was like, yeah, I really want to be a designer. These are all the reasons, blah, blah, blah. I think it helped that I was from a third world country and they're like, she's not going to be able to afford this any other way. So I was like, yes. So I got it, which was great. And so I could actually jump on it. So I did that for a year, which was great because that's where I learned how to use Sigma. That's how I learned how to do web design. That's how I learned how users think. And to me, that was perfect. And then a year after that, COVID hit. So it was literally, I had my scholarship, my year of like training. At the end of 2019, I got an internship at a really incredible digital agency over here, kind of convinced them to take me on as an intern. They didn't actually take on interns, so they had no idea what to do with me, but they were very nice about it. Did that for three months and then COVID hit. So yeah, but that's kind of how I slid into it, if that makes sense. And then talk to me a little bit about consortium and and octus as well because it seems like i mean so you, yeah tell me about those and how you split your day okay so how i got into web design full-time is covid so at the like august ish in covid i discovered ran so discovered ran flux academy discovered them on youtube really dived into that shout out to him um and I think it was quite early like it was I think that was like his first course that he released and stuff so it was still nice because I could like dm him and he would answer so it was <laughs> thankfully like way back in the beginning so that was nice but I didn't quite catch Webflow just yet I actually went with Wix like I had a client who was like oh I have a well I had a friend who needed a Wix website their site was already in Wix so I was like great I'll just jump on that so i that was my first project. Did that on Wix. Wix then reached out to me for a partnership. I was like, great. And so the need to learn Webflow was like, ah, we'll do it later. Jumped completely into Wix. Did loads of projects with them. So that was like my freelance year, if that makes sense. Which was great because it went all right. But <laughs> said I could never charge like over a thousand pounds and feel good about it. And it's better now. I think they're, they've done better. But by that time, I actually did my business or my freelancing was doing too well for the visa that I was on. So I couldn't, I was on a modeling visa. And so I couldn't, I couldn't justify it anymore. And so I was like, oh crap, my business technically is doing too well. I'm going to have to switch over to a business visa. And so that was exactly the year when a business visa didn't exist anymore. So I was like, now what? And the only other visas that they just released was a startup visa and an innovators visa and a startup visa, you have to pitch your business to an accelerator here in London and they will have to decide if they want to back you and tell the government, yeah, they're legit. So this was my year. So now I have a web design agency, which is brick and mortar, which no accelerator, tech accelerator wants. So I had to come up with a tech startup in like a month. Okay. So that was my situation. I was like, crap, they don't just want brick and mortar. They want a tech. They want to see the scale to millions. Like that has to be my business plan. I have to create something that can be distributed, if that makes sense. So came up with Octus, which is my startup, came up with that, which is 100% informed by my years of freelancing. 
So I don't know how deep you want to go into Orgdust and if I should be pitching my startup to you now because I have many times. But basically, my years of working with Wix, with all the small businesses, with the 350-pound websites, all of that client interactions, hey, we don't have the money actually, but could you help us with this? Like All of that informed what Orgdust is today. And Orgdust, in short, is the business school for small business. So basically, it's a platform that I'm developing, which basically has roadmaps for small businesses to learn how to scale their businesses, how to grow it, how to build a website, how to do your social media if you have no money. So this is you scaling from zero to 100k a year. So that's basically what Optus is. So that's currently in build. And then Consortium Studio is also was also pitched. So it also is actually part and package of this entire thing. And its side is, hey, this is like premium websites, premium platforms that we're building for startups and larger businesses. And like, it's completely that way. So the one caters for really tiny businesses who have no money and want to start something, but they have no backing or help. So that's that one. And then Consortium Studio is high-end premium startups, scale-ups, you know, bigger bigger budgets. We want the best of the best. So that was basically what I pitched. <laughs> so thankfully, I got it, which was great. <laughs> and um, I'm actually going through another round of it now. But yeah, that's kind of the story. Like that's, I've had to, I was literally a freelancer and I had to, I was like, where do I want my companies to go? Like you're feeling at zero, but you have to pitch where you're going to be at hundreds. And so I had a big exercise of what vision looks like and having to set out a vision for my companies really, really quickly and not going, because I couldn't think small. You're not allowed to. You need to be able to tell them, this is going to be incredible. This is what it's going to be. And it's great because I've seen the fruit of it for the last two years and where I want it to go in the next. But yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's incredible. It's wow. a mouthful. Wow, indeed. It's it's wild. <laughs> Your life has changed so much uh, in the course of this 26 minutes of recording so far. I mean, we've gone from a modeling girl in Pretoria to Cape Town to London to a UI UX. I mean, wild, wild entry into the world of Webflow. And now you are on the Webflow podcast. So you have reached your peak. No, I'm joking. That's a bit much. This is um, it, guys. I don't know how we're going to go from here. Tell me about failure number one, struggling to focus on the core business and staying consistent. Does that make a lot more sense now that I've explained all of that to you? <laughs> Slightly more. Yeah, I think, I mean, the main thing there is, and I think this was like the one thing I really wanted to drive home with this failure is the fact that the more tech savvy we get and the more skills that we learn, and I think this community can can relate. We can do anything. It feels like we can do anything. Like I can start another business tomorrow. I tend to do this where I just start many businesses just for the fun of it. Like we all have domains just sitting, right? We're, we're like, when you're ready. And it's so easy. I mean, just last week, someone suggested a directory for business owners here in our, in our local community. And I was like, I can do that for us. I can do that now. Do you want it now? Do you know what I mean? I was like, that's easy. We could do that. And I was like, stop, just stop. So do anything because <laughs> I have to stop myself. Literally, I have to stop myself because the amount of things that we could just get into, just 
because we're we can i think we we forget how privileged we are we're like blessed with the amount where other people they have this amazing idea and it will probably never come to fruition because they don't have the money to execute on it and we can do that i think it's scary how sometimes i feel like the future is very much in our community's hands like we're all here on twitter watching each other change the world and we're just like that's normal whatever but it's us creating these tools and these ai tools and these little you know things that everyone is doing as side projects that other people that's their life dream if they could create that that would be it for them that would be incredible and here we are doing it as side hustles and so that realization for me is like i have to stay focused on my core businesses but i also have to realize the privileged position that i'm in where we can literally do anything and we have to remember that there are small business owners who you see every day, you talk to every day, and you have these dreams and these visions, and they don't even know where to start. Where we we're already at step a hundred. I think that's amazing. I love how you've put that. Yeah, we're kind of creating the world we want to see online, and I think a lot of the time we're in this strange like microcosm where of a like little part of the internet where we're like, I made this. Oh, that's cool. I made this. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that that reminds me of uh, like a domain name that I bought last year, and maybe I should revisit that idea because that's getting traction and whatever. And everyone's kind of like, yeah, moving and shaking. But yeah, it does feel like there's a hell of a lot of momentum within the Webflow community, and especially with the app marketplace now. There's so many agencies that are creating tools. There's so many individuals like Vimalam who are creating, you know, different tools like love video this players. video builder well done yeah <laughs> well done yeah, well done. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> multi-step forms and you know like there's it just feels so exciting but like you say there's a double-edged sword there right like just because you can do anything doesn't mean you should or at least doesn't necessarily mean that that's the priority that you need to be focusing on right now and i had a really interesting conversation about side hustles to use that really cringe phrase with Keith Armstrong and he was saying like I get bored quite quickly and you know I'll, I'll want to move to stuff but there's there's a kind of to get momentum in anything it takes time right and it's very very easy to you know work on something for a year and build up loads of momentum and then unless you keep that going that momentum's not going to carry on right and what's bringing in money so that you can try out these moonshots that you can try out these side hustles well it's your core business so unless that's your main focus and that's where you put your energy and time to continue that momentum to continue that cash flow like we talked about at the start then it's going to be very hard to even carry on doing these moonshots or side hustles or apps or extensions or whatever else you're trying what advice would you give to someone that maybe is a bit like seemingly maybe me and you where you see an opportunity and you're like hold on i gotta sit on my hands for a bit like i can't i i don't i don't know if this is quite the right thing to commit to right now or what advice would you give to people that are in that kind of frame of mind i think it's a i think it's a balance because you don't want to say no to everything because that could be your next big thing and i think that's what keeps everyone going is the fact that this could be it this could be the thing that like takes off like you said we are in this community where everything moves so quickly everything it's like rapid like product hunts steroids every day where like we have something new going on from what i've found what kind of stops me is if i have an idea i have to sit down with myself me and me 
and I have to figure out, okay, do I have the time for it? Okay, that's obviously a start. Do I have the passion for it? Is this something that I'm going to keep going? Is it actually something I'm going to be able to sustain? And then what does the vision for this look like in two years? Like legitimately, do I see this disappearing in two years because it was a fad? Or do I see this, like, how can I grow this into a sustainable company? But I start, everything that I start is what does the vision of this look like in two years? Because if it's a small thing now, then to me, that's not sustainable. It's just like you said, we're going to start it. It's going to be really great. It's going to be a fun exercise, could potentially add it to my portfolio, which I've had a couple of these projects where I'm like, make this incredible design and like all right just chuck it into my portfolio great but then you have those projects where you're like actually this has a vision there's something behind it I can see momentum in it who can I get involved in it so this is something new that I'm learning because who can I get involved in it so yes those would be like my main things before starting anything there's this really interesting idea that I listened to on Ali Abdel's pod which I recommend anyone who likes this podcast to listen to because there's a lot of similar kind of ideas not necessarily webflow specific focus but he talks about fulfillment finance and fun when determining what to focus on and i think that's quite an interesting this triple f idea i listened to this podcast a couple of days ago i think that's what the three f's are if anyone's going to quote me in the in the comments and be like you messed up the triple f's so if you're a keyboard warrior and i've got that wrong feel free to slam me in the comments but fulfillment, financial, they're coming. fun. Yeah, they're coming. Oh, they're coming. The keyboards, <laughs> they're just stretching their fingers right now. But I, I essentially, I think there's this kind of, we get quite like hot-headed because we're already on our laptop when we see these ideas a lot of the time. You know, you see something and you're like, right, open Figma, new tab. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, hold the phone. Just maybe think a little bit uh, longer term about this and, and also work out if this is something that you can genuinely see yourself getting you know fulfillment and that you that you enjoy enough to keep noodling with this idea another thing that i spoke about with keith armstrong which maybe you'd agree with i don't know is basically not setting a really high bar for this to you know be a huge thing right like because i think sometimes if you want it to succeed so badly a side project or whatever then you kind of lose the playfulness and the fun that comes with you know, this enjoyment idea. I don't know what your yeah, thoughts are on that. I agree. Hundred percent agree. I think I think nothing that we take on will ever be a waste. It's either gonna end up in your build in public Twitter where people other people find it impressive and it dies out in three months. Fair enough. Like it was impressive. Good job. So nothing that you take on I think will ever be a waste in any sense because other people will learn from it, you will learn from it. That's all there. And like he said, some things you just do for fun. I think I did like two redesigns of some websites that I found just in the last two days, just because, hey, this could look so much better. I'm just going to not thinking anything will come out of it. Like, yeah, I'll drop their company email like, hey, this is what it could look like, 100%. But do I think it's going to be like, oh, payday is coming? Probably not. But 100%, I think everything has a value to it. And if that thing kind of takes off and you're like oh you know what like I can do this for the next two years like what if this is a proper business because it's taking off people love it then great do you know what I mean then start building a vision for it what is it what is it gonna look like so I think it's it's a it's a good balance of not again being too hard on yourself cutting yourself some slack and realizing all right I'm a creator at heart I think we all are and so we're going to be creating daily we do 
we're all playing around on the side. And yeah, one of them might just take fire. And I think that's what we're all kind of working towards. Tell me about failure number two, building and getting involved in online community. Hey guys, just jumping in here to say that Flowfest has been launched. The website is now live. So go to flowfest.co.uk to get yourself a ticket for the 11th of July. The 11th of July. So I have nothing to do with organizing this one, by the way, but this is Isabel Edwards, Ash, various other amazing humans that are involved. It's going to be a great meetup. Like Isabel is just awesome at organizing stuff and she always throws herself into stuff 110%. So well worth going. She promises loads of nice things, three no-code talks, food, drinks, outdoor games, live music. I mean, this thing is taking meetups to another level. I mean, combining a festival and a conference is a mad idea, but it's going to be sick and I'm so pumped. So anyway, get yourself to Manchester if you're a UK-based webflower for the 11th of July. It's going to be it's going to be mad. If it's anything like the website, which is sick by the way, it's going to be like the best event of the year. So Yes, get yourself to Flowfest uh, website, cop a ticket, see you on the 11th of July. Back to the episode. I'm so bad at this. I'm honestly the worst. I literally only got into Twitter like two months ago. So that should tell you. Maybe not soon, like three months ago, maybe. But I, I don't know. I really struggle. And I think it's maybe because. I feel like my personal brand is a bit of a jumble. And so because of my businesses being a bit of a jumble, and because, I don't know, I think it's something that I'm working through a lot in the sense of like, what do I actually want to be? And this is why I went to this branding workshop last week. But it was very much like, what do I want to be known for? Like, what can I add to the world? Because everyone can be like, hey guys, I'm a professional in this and you should all take advice from me. But if you're not an expert in that, then you shouldn't be doing that. And so... It's very much like, what do I feel like I'm an expert at, at this point in my life? What do I feel like I can share on? Because sadly, your personal brand is very much like what you're putting out there. And very, very much, I feel like a lot of character has been built in the last couple of years with everything that I've worked through. But in the sense of what, what has that made me an expert on speaking on? I don't know yet. And so I'm kind of, I'm working through it because I'm not, I'm not an expert webflower. I'm not that, I know that. I know I definitely know that like, there's a lot more that I can be doing in that sense to, to be able to talk about it and I'm not technically an, an expert designer potentially I mean I feel like I'm pretty decent at design but do you know what I mean like there's do I start businesses so at this point what I've come to the conclusion of is what I'm building towards and what I want to speak on in life is I I build businesses I build tech for businesses and I build people who build businesses I build businesses is who I am. I build tech for businesses, consortium studio, and I build people who build businesses is Orctus. And so for me, that's where I'm at. And so I decided that that literally this week and I've wrote, I've written it down and I feel like I'm just going to use this as my framework for now because I feel like in the season that I'm in, this to me makes sense. And I'm trying to keep to that. <laughs> I'm trying to build a, 
like a brand around that and then in extension eventually build a community around that but for now before I could build a community before I understand community I I had to figure out what is what am I like what am I going to be in this space what am I bringing to the space because I mean as we all know we have to bring some value first before we can ever ask do you know what I mean like what does that look like for you first yeah that's my initial thoughts there is a lot to dig into here why do you feel like you want to build a community because it sounds like what you're saying is you need to know what you want to be a subject matter expert on in order to be known for that subject matter in order to build a community if i understood that correctly in a sense let's say this so i mean community i feel like has been kind of over like oh everyone has a community what is a community a community is someone they're like your hundred biggest fans in the sense of they know what's happening in your business they know what's new releases is happening so i guess someone for me would be like grace beverly who's a great entrepreneur fantastic but I know exactly what's happening in our life I know how our businesses are doing I know what their revenue was I know their new releases coming up I knew what products I'd probably buy and what products I probably won't that she has a community right for me I don't necessarily think I can build a community now not in the state I feel like I'm building towards that and that would be great to have that in my businesses one day but I feel like your personal brand you have to very much decide who you are before ever trying to do that does that make sense my explanation is all right yeah this is a really interesting conversation i think this links to a lot of conversations that we've had on webflail which relates to niching like knowing what really lights your fire enough to to maybe position yourself as uniquely able to help a particular group of people or potentially you know provide a particular skill set which in turn will attract a particular group of people to what you do. And obviously it relates to, you know, how you how you create your website, you know, how that is visually represented. And then and then in terms of marketing, like, you know, what what do you want to be known for and, and how does that relate to where the people that you want to be known for by hang out and as a result kind of where you might kind of fit in. But Yeah. I mean like good examples. Like how does someone like explain who you are so if we go webflow we all know who webbay is he's he's the code guy we know who joseph berry is he's the interactions guy we know who grace grace is she's the freelancer the freelance hero of all the women's side we know do you know what i mean like there are we know technically like devon fountain he's a great designer but can i you just put this the, out there you, you i would don't be the podcast guy Okay, let me let me just put this out there though. I don't know if Grace, Devin, Webbay, any of those guys necessarily set out to be known as that person. Like I certainly didn't be set out to be known as that person, but I think coming back to an earlier conversation we just had about like following your nose with with side projects and and following your interests, I think by virtue of just following your interests, you become known as the thing that you do and i think focusing on just doing a thing means that you are naturally known for doing that thing because that's the thing that you are constantly doing and talking about and sharing so and i completely respect the fact that you want to work out what you want to talk about before you talk about anything online 
But I also think that you need to just talk about whatever you're interested in. And by, by talking about what you're interested in, the people that are meant to find you, find you. So I push back a little bit on you saying, oh, I need to work out like exactly who I am and who I serve and da, da, da. Because I almost feel like actually social media is a really good kind of testing ground for you to just put random stuff out there into the ether that you're interested in. And you're like, hey, like, for example, with threads, what I'll do before writing an article is I'll put a thread together and see what sticks. And if people really like a thread, then I'll write an article about it. Then I'll make content about that. But I think you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to be a certain person. I don't know if that's fair. What do you think about yeah. that? No, I think that's 100% fair. I think to a sense, like, I have very many interests in life. And so if I have to go and go talk about all of it, then I would be, it would be a mashup of everything. And so I can't imagine just making a video about anything <laughs> do you get what I mean so I have to I have to focus it and for me I want to make sure my messaging isn't confusing in the sense of I don't know it, that to me makes sense but you're right it's I I always sit between this just press record and hey like make sense when you're on camera please I'm always between those two where it's just press record just do it put thoughts out there and hey what are you actually are you adding any value to anyone at all at this moment tell me about failure number three expanding your studio very much linked to what we've just talked about yeah i mean so my next kind of phase of growth and what i want that to look like is bringing on like younger designers to kind of take over more of the design and dev work so that I can build more structure into consortium. So, I mean, there's so many people who build really great agencies where I'm like, oh, I would love to be you. That would be great. <laughs> so, but I need to, I think my next kind of phase is figuring out what that looks like for consortium and what, what do I actually need at the minute? Where is my business at and how to do the staff thing? So yeah, I actually have to hire quite a few people in the next few years so in the sense of I have to figure what out what that looks like so yeah I don't I don't even know what to say about that it's it's gonna be interesting and I think like I said I kind of call myself consortium of one which indeed I do but I would like to not have to be that and I would like to be able to delegate and trust other people and be able to work with other people to deliver kind of the quality work that I'm used to so I think that's going to be a learning curve for sure. And I'm not sure where that starts. So just to be clear then, you've worked with contractors in the past, but you're now like, okay, now I need to hire full-time staff. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I mean, I've worked with contractors before and like design work and things, but I actually have to start building an in-house team for either Consortium or Orcus, depending on whichever kind of company I focus on. So We'll kind of see where that goes, to be honest. I, I have no idea what that looks like. So I, I can't even elaborate anymore. <laughs> that. Yeah. So, yeah. Off the top of my head, we did an episode with Joe Krug all about hiring. So if that's helpful, that's a result. I'm not trying to plug my own podcast off the... I mean, I guess you I are, am by like, virtue hey, of saying what I've said. Gone on since yeah. you. <laughs> no, sorry. I just sound like such a dickhead. But what I'm saying is that, that I'm sure there are plenty of agency owners 
that can can help you with the hiring process or maybe thinking about it and because honestly i have heard so many horror stories from agency owners hiring i have been a horror story hiring for some agency owners in the past when i was not anywhere near the level I, I needed to be at to do the jobs that I was being asked to do. And so I can only talk about it from being a horrible hire rather than how to hire. But sorry, you go. I think it does help if you've come from an agency background. I wish I had that chance to like work in an agency. That would have been great. I think it. that's one thing I, I wish I had the chance to do because I think it informs you so much on like what's you know what's expected what is too much expectation what is too little expectation how much can you delegate things like that which I don't necessarily I had three months at a digital design agency (laughs) and so I didn't really I mean it was informative but it was definitely not as informative to kind of all of a sudden so I very much had to build my my agency from scratch figure it out from scratch on my freelancing years they were great they helped a lot to like figure out logistics and stuff but I have never had to I've never had to you know go in and go hey all right you're gonna be my team member now let's go and I think for a consortium studio that's gonna be an interesting exercise because you don't have to like you said contract work is actually better and I think we all prefer it because it's like an on and off basis but to an extent it is something I'll have to do eventually so I'm just kind of prepping myself for that and what that looks like. Have you considered partnering with other agencies yeah, so Consortium does partner with quite a few other agencies, especially branding studios in London. So we do that quite a bit, which helps a lot. But that's more us partnering with them, saying, hey, we'll handle the web bits, you handle the branding, and we'll kind of mesh, if that makes sense, you know? So we've done a few of them, very flow guru vibes. We <laughs> love them, they're great, which is great. But that's, that's almost like a client to me. That's not necessarily, so that's not someone that I would take on full time. Does that make sense? So Yeah, of course. Yeah. I just wondered if maybe like you can see a bit more behind the scenes while also doing your agency by virtue of doing partnerships. Because sometimes you might do like client calls together or you might, you know, have shared docs like Notion or Encoder or however agencies run their processes, click up, whatever. But I just wondered if there's like a way that you can learn on the job. Yeah. I mean my processes and stuff like that I have down, thankfully, from my freelancing days and I've done like a million and three courses. Thankfully, loads of people do courses these days. So that's been fine. I think it's more, how do how do I as a founder, what do you delegate? What do you delegate first? Who should be your first hire? What does that look like? Does that make sense? So it's for me, it's a people to people thing. A people to process thing, I'm very good at. <laughs> Clients are very good at. I think I've gotten that side kind of down. I think it's, it's the people to people thing and what, what that looks like, that is now kind of my next big push. That's my next thing. That's my next like learning curve, which I'm not necessarily scared of. I think I just want to do it right. Yeah. So I think that's going to be interesting for sure. Mm. Well, it seems like you're a really confident communicator and I'm sure that, you know, hiring does sound like one of the hardest things that agency owners have talked about on this podcast, but if anyone's going to do it, it sounds like you thrive under pressure. It's just another hurdle that you are gonna you are gonna overcome. I'm sure. Okay, so are you ready for the final question of this episode? I am. Throw it at me. Let's go. What is your next failure going to be? 
I would have said the hiring thing, I think. But I would like to think that would be a success, she said. So I guess, yeah, I guess it's figuring out hiring and figuring out how to delegate. Because I think my delegation skills are a little low at the moment. So I think that would probably be my main thing is trying to figure out how I can delegate, what to delegate, when to delegate. And I'll probably not be amazing at it in the beginning. But I have to realize that there are people with better skills in certain areas than me so why wouldn't you want to leverage that in every sense of the word and so I very much believe that there are better developers out there than I am there are better designers out there than I am probably better managers out there than I would be and so why not leverage that so at the moment the first thing someone that I use a lot which is like a contractor is like a admin assistant use her loads like she's I would say on my team, but not necessarily on my team, but just to help with like admin stuff, because that's not necessarily my skill. Like sales outreaches and things like that, she kind of covers. And I realized the moment that I did that, I think I only did that like three months ago, started doing that. Major difference of that pressure that you would usually feel now finally off of me in a sense. And it's like, oh, there's someone who actually enjoys doing that, someone who's empowered to do that, and they love doing it. And so that was kind of my first bit of like, ah, Okay, you can do this. Thanks so much to Janae for coming on the podcast and thanks so much to you lot for listening. So, big episode to kick off 2024. Like so many Webflail episodes, it's fascinating to hear how the different career paths people have had before finding the Webflow platform. But a model transitioning to a Webflower is a first on the podcast though. So, excited to have that. And I want to conclude this episode talking about transition, in fact. Janae talked about failing to know how to expand her studio because, you know, she hasn't actually had studio experience before trying to set up her studio before. And, you know, it's a big leap going from freelancing and then you get to that transition point where you've got too much work and you're like, oh, I think I should hire, but trying to work out how to make that first hire. If anyone else is struggling in that department, Highly recommend listening to episode 50 of Webflow with Joe Krug. He's someone that talks a lot about hiring in that episode. And one thing he talks about is hiring for personality tra- traits rather than hiring for someone who is the finished product, which I think is an interesting idea to consider. But anyway, fascinated to see how Janae navigates through this next stage for her studio. Next episode, episode 71, we have Johnny Gomez. He is, I mean, he's a cool guy, but his name, is it the coolest name in the Webflow space? Let me know on Twitter. I think it is. But we're going to be having Johnny Gomez in the Webflow podcast. We're going to be asking him some difficult questions about, you know, why he shut down his studio in Argentina, why he moved to the States how life is working at Webflow. So, have a great week in the meantime, Webflailers, and really excited to see what everyone achieves this year in the Webflow space. <laughs>